Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, as it says that Peter spoke your word and the Holy Spirit came upon those that heard it. I just pray this morning that your presence would come upon us as we hear your word and as we learn and grow. Let it not just be knowledge-based, Lord, but let it go down into our heart and change who we are that we would never truly be the same. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, amen. So we're going to do in his presence, and we have two of these. So this one is going to leave you almost a little bit hungry for more. So we have in his presence one, which is today, and in his presence part two, which is next week. So you don't want to miss, if you're here today, you don't want to miss next week. And if you're not here today, you can't hear me, so it doesn't matter. So Exodus 25, verses one and two, in his presence. Exodus 25, 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. I used to try to do God voice in children's church. We were children's pastors for so long. It doesn't work here. You guys are not amused at all. But number two, "Speak speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. So after he gathers this offering, he's, you know, the Lord's saying, tell him to give an offering because we're about to build something. We're about to do something. And we need the people to give towards that. See, you don't think, I, I think God could do it. I'll tell you a quick testimony before we continue here. Uh, I won't tell you the, the, the church because you'll recognize, but uh, there was a church that was uh, growing. They were in a storefront. They moved. They bought a, a, a property, and they had the property for a little while. It was just a blank uh, uh, lot, and they were going to build a building uh, to, ha- to church about 750 people, theater style, and and everything, and, and it was going to be all modern and really nice, about $4.2 million to build this building. So they uh, started to tell the church, look, we bought this, we're going to buy this lot. They bought the lot, and a little bit of time, a couple months went by, and they said, look, we're going to build this building. Well, this gentleman, uh, after the service, comes up to the pastor and says, look, I want to help with building the building. He says, awesome, great. And he goes, no, I want to help right now. And he says, okay, you could have just put it in the offering. He goes, no, I want to write you a check for $4.2 million. I don't know how you do that. How do you... How do you write? I think the little square doesn't have enough room for all the zeros. You know, the, my check doesn't. I don't know about you. He was, they had a check like that big, right? I think with stuff like that, they probably transfer the money more than just write a check. But he wrote a check for $4.2 million or gave him the 4.2, and they built the building. 
This one man did it. And then they, they were there. They, were, they went to three, four, five services before COVID, and then they went down to just a few services afterwards. But before COVID, they, they wanted to build a school. They still had room in this property out front of the church, a two-story, beautiful building. This one was more than the actual building. It was $8 million dollars. To build this building. It was many years later, and you know, things go up, and plus the, the you should see this place. We've, we've been there already. It's pretty incredible. So this same gentleman shows up and says, I want to help build that building. So he says, Here, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you almost the entire amount. Imagine, imagine how much he has. Forget about what he's giving. Imagine how much he has to be able to give that. That's what we, we focus so much on what we're giving. We don't, we don't focus enough on what we get to keep. Thank God that I have enough to give and I get to keep. Right? In my case, because I'm a tither, I get to keep 90%. That's pretty good. Billy Graham said that he's done way more with 90% than he ever did with 100. That's Billy Graham's uh, faith. Right? But so this gentleman comes, and I don't know how this pastor did this. I don't know if I could have done it. It had to have been the grace of God. He told the man, no. And he says, what? He says, we need the church to give towards this because this is for their kids. This is for them. They need to have ownership. So allow the church to do something over the next six months to a year or whatever, and then if there's anything left over and you still want to do this, then we'll allow you to finish it off. They collected almost the entire amount from the church people. The church people own that building, right? Not one guy showed up and, and built. Now there's a sense of ownership. See, when God asks you to give, and here he's telling Moses, have the people go around and give. See, God could have built whatever he wanted, however he wanted, whenever he wanted, using whatever he wanted. Right. You think he needed these people to give? He needed them to have ownership in what he was about to do. He needed them to be a part of what was about to happen. So he, it caused them to give, to build the ark for his presence so that he could go with them. See, building something together to create a place for God's presence causes a unity, causes a unity that reaches the heavens and causes his presence to fill that place. You see, they gave and they built an ark, and his presence filled that place. The Ark of the Covenant, where his presence dwelt. And they, they, they drug it around with them everywhere they went. See, the church has been building and preparing through the giving of God's people. And Lord, forgive us if we've done things with the resources that you've given us that wasn't conducive to growing your kingdom. Because we've made those mistakes. Come on. We've done things and built things and, and had these great, you know, and... and, and and what did it do for God's kingdom? We need to be sure that we're hearing from God whenever we do things like this. And believe me, I make sure because I don't like asking. But I don't count it as that. I count it as giving you an opportunity right. to give yes. towards his presence. Amen. Amen? So the church has been building and preparing through the giving of God's people. It is time that we have his presence 
fill the church. This giving is not just finances, but worship, service, the giving of lives. You think God, God's not concerned about how many zeros you put after your number. He's concerned about how many people get saved. How many lost come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? As a, that is, that's his riches. He, he, he doesn't have a printing machine up there. He doesn't make money. Come on, his streets are made of gold. He has a crystal sea and a gate made out of one pearl. Can you imagine the size of that? Imagine the size of that clam. <laughs> right? He has a gate. Read it. It says a gate of, not pearls, but of one pearl. I don't know how big that gate is, but I can tell you it ain't small. God don't do anything small, right? The giving is not just finances. It's worship, service, and you, the giving of you. See, people are the living stones that God uses to build a place for his presence to minister. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the guy at the computer back there, Gage, is going to go, that ain't in here. I said, that's right, it ain't in there. So uh, if you have a Bible, you want to go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. I'm doing it again. Uh, uh, our media guy, Gus, the other day said, man, you go to these other scriptures, and I prepared. And, and I said, well, I can't help when the Lord speaks to me, you know. But uh, he really spoke to me this morning as I was praying. But 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, we're going to read, let me make sure, verses, uh, yeah, 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 10. And it says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Come on, I've tasted his grace. Have you not? Verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also... Now he's talking the living stone. You'll see in a minute he clears up who that is. He's talking about Jesus. But now he's, now he's speaking to you, the church. He says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, Bethel, right? The house of God, Bethel, house of prayer. The living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Listen, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's what he was speaking of in, in verse four. A chief cornerstone elect, precious, who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to the religious. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Same people preaching the word are stumbling. But you are a chosen generation. Yes. Come on. If you felt bad, time to feel good. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had obtained mercy, but now have 
obtained mercy. Who is he talking about? The stones, the living stones that build the church. These, these walls don't build the church. The four point something million dollars to build that building. Yeah, that's good to house the people and to bring them in so that we may gather. I put in like five or six scriptures yesterday of different uh, uh, places in the Bible that talks about why we should gather. Because we have this thing now that, you know, we, we, the, the church is outside these four, build, these four walls. We know that, right? Because we are the church. But the church is not the church unless it gathers. Right. You can't be the church by yourself out there. Right. You're only the church when you're here. Then from here, what happens? You actually do the work of the ministry out there. Right. You actually go. It says go. So you go outside, but you can't do that without meeting here, without gathering, without being together. We're going to cover that a little more later. Exodus 25, verse 22. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you. From where? From that, that ark where people gave to build it. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony. About, we overcome by... About everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. See, God spoke to Moses and he had done many things and had the people give an offering that Moses could use this offering to prepare a place for God's presence. Now, I need to clear this up very, very much. So you, there's, there's black and white here. I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. You don't give like you do, like buying a ticket to go to a concert to see somebody right? Or buying a ticket to go see a movie. That's not what I'm saying. You don't give for God to show up, right? right? That, that's not what I'm saying at all. But in this instance, God said, look, we need to build a place that will house my presence. Have the people give so that it becomes not just something that I made, but something that we made. Right. And the church is, like I said, is beyond this building. If, if we could gather the church the way God wants to, there's not a stadium in the world big enough to house us. There was a time in the early 2000s when the G12 ministry was going in Colombia. It was just going crazy, and they were, it was all about life groups and home groups and cell groups, and, and they were gathering on Sunday in one of the largest soccer stadiums in the world. They were gathering in Colombia. 200 and something thousand people were gathering on Sunday mornings, and still people were outside. And all these people were basically home groups that were just coming together to meet. <laughs> right? We prepare a place. We give to prepare a place. A willing heart that gives creates an atmosphere for the greatest giver to show up. He's the greatest of them all. You want to talk about giving? I bet you if he had any amount of money, he would have given every penny if that would have saved us, rather than giving his son Jesus. Right. How many of you know that? I know I would have. If, it was, if I had to give you my son for you guys to be saved, you'd all be going to hell. <laughs> See, God, we, could, we understand God loves you so much that he gave his only life. He gave his life. We can say he gave his life. I understand that. I understand that. I get that. I don't think there's a man in the house that wouldn't give his life for his children and his wife. If, if it was needed for them to continue on, that they would do it. And I understood that love. 
And I, and I was kind of proud about that love. And then I saw the movie John Q. You guys have heard me say this before. And I watched him as he took over the, the hospital and he put the gun to his head because his son needed a heart. And he says, he, he had taken hostage all these people and the surgeon. He says, look, with the, the minute I pull this trigger, you take my heart and give it to my son. And I sat there on that couch. I remember exactly where I was, too. I sat there on that couch. I puffed my chest out a little bit. And I was like, I can do that. And the Holy Spirit, as gentle as ever, said, yeah, but would you give your son? Then, my, then you, right? And then, and then I was like, that's a love that we'll never understand. That is so beyond what we can do, the love that God gave us, Right? So understand that what God did, he gave. He gave so far beyond anything that we could never pay him back. You also can't never outgive God. A place full of givers will bring the giver of life into their midst. By giving, we free our hearts. See, it's a heart issue. It's not a wallet issue. It's a heart issue. We free our hearts to belong to him and not to mammon. You guys know that I'm not going to get into all that. Since we cannot serve two masters. Having a heart that gives willingly is only part of what sets an atmosphere for his presence. So he does this, he builds this ark, and then he gives specific instructions on what to do with that. You see, this is where I said they're man's fingerprint. We need, to, we need to go before God and say, you know, we didn't start the AC fundraiser just, oh, we need an AC, let's just do this. We didn't do that. We went to prayer, we prayed about it. What do we do? I called the, listen, I'll, I'll tell you the process that I took. I called the bank. And, you know, uh, we owe maybe 15, 20% of what the building is worth. We're, we're right towards the end of paying off this building. It might be a couple more years, but we're there. Uh, it might not be a couple more years. But uh, maybe that guy that bought, paid for that church might show up here and write us a check, too. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But, uh, or maybe there's one of those guys here today. But uh, <laughs> I hate doing that. It sounds so bad. It, I sound like a, a, a televangelist. Anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> so, the, you know, we are um, willing hard to give time instructions to give. Uh, verse 22 reveals again that God wants to meet with Moses and talk with Moses. See, so when we do that, we invite God to be part of what we're doing. Remember, it's not a ticket not a ticket so he shows up in the burning bush to moses remember that the tablets with the commandments there weren't 15 of them not like in that movie and then he drops a tablet that nobody's seen that movie i guess the many times we pleaded with god to destroy right his people and he met with him he says look i'll start over with you you know what he was telling moses i'm gonna make you the promise that I, that I that I'm gonna make that I was gonna make to Abraham, I'm gonna do it with you. I said, no, 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 no. Let let's say right. Moses was a form or a type or shadow of Jesus. He said, no, let's let, I got let's save God's people. Every time he was in God's presence, and then he turned to the people. They knew he had been with God. They knew it. His face shone. The, one time, his beard turned white. I've been with God. I wish that was all that we needed, right? His beard turned white, his hair turned white. When he had, he, had, he had been in his presence and his face shone so much that he had to put a bag over his head because the people couldn't look at him anymore. 
they knew that he had been in his presence. The presence of God, I'm going to give you some, uh, uh, these are on your notes there, and we'll cover this a little deeper in just a moment. The presence of God will give you rest. Exodus 32, 12 through 14, New International Version. Uh, Exodus 33, 12 through 14. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moses is like, I need help, man. And he had this whole conversation before with God. Remember, we back and forth to God, and God said, don't worry, I'm going to send somebody to help you. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this, that this nation is your people. You can say church right there. The Lord replied, my presence, who better to go with you? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Exodus 33, 14, in the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. Now, we think that everything's just going to go great. That because God's presence is there, we're not going to have any problems, no issues, no tribulation. That's not what it means. Right? Other versions say that everything, that you will have comfort or peace. When we, when we are in his presence, he leads. He takes the burden. We're just along for the ride. But he leads. Listen to this phrase. We so easily confuse the presence of God with the absence of problems. We so easily confuse the presence of God with the absence of problems. I'm in the middle of an issue. I got problems, and I got this, and I got that, and I'm going through this, and God has turned his back on me because I have problems. God joins you in the fire. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow to the idol, and they were the only ones in that field standing upright. God didn't show up then. When they threatened to throw him in the fire, God didn't show up then. When they lit the fire so hot that the guards, every time they opened it, would burn them, just standing outside the furnace, they would burn up. They made it so hot. And they bring them closer and closer, and they're seeing these men burn to dust in front of this fiery furnace. Imagine how hot it was. And then they throw him in there, and God shows up. <laughs> right? I see a fourth man like the Son of God in the midst of the fire. It says that when they came out of that fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. It had been as if they had never even been in the fire. Now, were they in the fire? Yes. Was it hot? Absolutely. You might be in the fire right now. It may be hot. But don't worry. God's presence is with you. And when it's over, you won't even smell like smoke. You won't even be like, it'll be like it never even happened. 
I know you can't see it now. I know that it doesn't look like it now. I know it hurts now. I know that you're depressed and you're anxious and you're going through all these things in your life. I know your marriage doesn't look good and your kids are running with the devil out there. And all these things are just, <laughs> it's happening. My job, my money, my this, the economy. I know all these things are happening. But listen, God's presence is with you. And when it's all over, it'll be as if it never happened. It'll be as if it never happened. Do not confuse the presence of God with the absence of problems. The presence of God separates us from the world. Exodus 3, verses 15 and 16. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. It's pretty bold. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We are distinguished by his presence. That's how they're going to know. These people, you got to read your Old Testament, okay? They carried the presence everywhere. Into battle, they won. Listen, at the Alamo, if if we would have had the presence, we would have (laughs) won. We were outnumbered, but yet the presence, the presence. They carried the presence into the valley after the the walls of Jericho fell. They took over Jericho. They carried the presence into the valley and killed an innumerable amount of Amorites with just a few Israelites. Listen, the enemy knew that if they saw that Ark of the Covenant, they were in trouble. Not because of the people or how big they were or how well they were with their swords or or what they did in battle. When they saw that ark, they knew that's what they've been talking about. When that ark is there, but you can't misuse that ark. You know it was misused once, and I'll just say it real quick. So Eli, who raised Samuel, you guys know that Samuel was brought to Eli, and he was raised by Eli. Eli had two other sons that he also raised. They were priests. Eli was a priest, and he had two other sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Phineas, that's a cool name. So Hophni and Phineas, and they were going into battle, but they did not have a good relationship with God. They slept around with, as priests, they slept around with women, and they had, they just, they weren't following anything that the Father had taught them. But they were taught the same thing that Samuel was, and look at Samuel, he becomes a prophet. So he, Eli is sitting there, and Hophni and Phineas say, let's grab the presents and take it with us, and we'll go down, and we'll go pick a fight. God didn't lead them. God didn't tell them that they were going to go down. They just figured, we got the presence and this is the power. Let's go use it down there. Come on, let's go. Let's go show them how tough we are with the presence, like a, like a rabbit's foot or something. Like, you know, they're going to carry this thing. And they went down there and they died in battle. And the presence was taken from them. And then if you want to read what's cool after that, they put it in a place with another idol and the idol falls over anyway. But the, the, the presence was misused. And then Eli falls off his porch and dies because he heard about his two sons. All because they misused the presence. The presence leads. It does not follow. The presence leads. It does not follow. And it separates us from the world. Terry Tico in his book, uh, this is a, a Methodist pastor. Uh, I've heard him speak on the presence of God before in Daytona Beach. 
baptized in the Holy Ghost, very powerful uh, man of God. Uh, he is a Methodist pastor, but uh, we don't hold that against him. The, the presence-based church, in, in his book, he writes, the Ark of the Covenant was always located in the tabernacle at the very center of the camp. The 12 tribes were divided into four groups and stationed symmetrically around the presence. Three to the north, three to the south, three to the east, and three to the west. There's a message there, but I got to keep going. By day, they saw the cloud that hung over the tent. By night, they would lie at the entrance to their own tents and watch the fire. They didn't want to, the fire started moving. They got to, they got to get up and go. As long as the presence stayed, they stayed. But when the presence moved, they followed. They were presence led and presence drawn. They were presence led and presence drawn. When you're led, that means that you kind of come up with an idea and you present it to his presence. You present it to God. Say, look, I really would, I want to do this. I, and I, as a pastor, I feel like this. And you bring it to God and then he tells you yes or no or leads you, right? But when you're being drawn by God, I don't know what to do next, Lord. You got to help me out. Yes. I'm going to keep looking at the fire. By, by night and keep looking at the cloud by day and I'm going to wait till you move and sometimes that's what we do as pastors and ministers and people of God we wait nobody likes that but we wait the presence leads it doesn't follow listen to this his presence shows his highest approval of us When you sense the, you know, and, and listen, having natural five sense experience doesn't mean that the presence is there all the time, right? You don't need the hair on the back of your neck to stand up and goosebumps and all that to know that his presence is present, right? But when it is present in whatever you're doing, whether we're gathered, we're worshiping the word of God, I have already in, in just a few minutes, I've, I've already sensed his presence in the sharing of his word. I don't know about you, but I have. It's ministered to me. It's ministered to me. But when it does show up, that means God approves of what you're doing. He's not going to show up in the, minute, in the midst of what you're doing if he doesn't approve and say, ah, I'll help him out anyway. No, that's not how it works. If you're right in the midst of God's perfect will, then you will find his presence. If you're in the midst of God's permissive will, then you will find his mercy. There's a difference. I want to be in his. I, I ask this question. How many of you want to, uh, want to see or be part of a miracle? And everybody, oh, yeah, man, to see, see people get out of wheelchairs. And yes, we want that. Uh, you know, or how many of you want to live in his blessings? I want to live in his blessings. If I live in his blessings, I don't need to get up out of a wheelchair. If I live in his blessings, I may get pushed or put, you know thrown down or go through some type of tribulation but i already have the victory because i'm in the midst yes. of his perfect will and his presence is with me yes, his presence is with me amen. come on they they crossed the red sea they got to the other side they're over there they're, we're thirsty we want to go back man, 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 man. they're complaining right and then okay we'll give you this rock and it'll follow you around and and it'll give you water there's your water oh you hung okay well, we're going to cause manna to come out of the sky we're going to cause what in the world is this to come out of the sky? Because that's what manna means. What in the world is this stuff? And we're going to feed you as you go along. Only daily, though. Only daily. Because if you gather enough and you think that you can go three or four days, what happens? I no longer need his presence. 
This has been going on <laughs> from the beginning of time. You think this is Old Testament stuff, Israel? He fed the 5,000, Jesus. And he crosses the Sea of Galilee, goes to the other side. And some of those people went around. And he goes to the other side because he's led by his presence, by God's presence. I do what the Father tells me to do. He went to the other side to deliver this man with the, with the, the demons. And the people show up and go, we need more fish and more. Do that again. They weren't after his presence. They were after the bread and the fish. Because he had done it once, and then there was leftover, so they figure, if he, maybe he doesn't have to do it again, we can get some out of that baskets, those 12 baskets. We just get, because he took it all, right? He didn't leave us anything. Instead of going after his presence. Let's, I got to really move on now. The presence of God will resurrect that which was dead. I love this. Hebrews 9, 4. Which had, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, talking about the Ark of the Covenant, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. So in the presence of God, the manna never went bad. Worms didn't come out and all the things that happened before, right? There was manna in there. But to me, what stood out was Aaron's rod. So if you went, if you've ever been like up in the mountains or whatever, and you go into one of these stores where they sell hiking stuff, you know, backpacks and special jackets for the rain and all that, they have these sticks, walking sticks. Some of them are fiberglass and they're real, but some of them are like wood and they're all carved out and everything. If you went and bought one of those wooden sticks and you dug a hole and stuck it in the ground and watered it every day and fertilized it, would that thing begin to grow again and give leaves and fruit? It's not. It's dead. It's been shellacked. It's been right covered with all kinds of stuff. It's been, you know, through all kinds of manufacturing processes, even though it's still wood from a tree that was once alive. It would not. But in the presence of God, Aaron's rod that he used to walk around with budded. <laughs> no, you don't have to show me your hands because I know that just about everyone in this place has dead areas in your life. There's areas where you look and you say, this, this is just not fruitful. What I'm doing right now, this is not, this, this area of my life died years ago, and I've never gone back to fertilizer to water that area because it's dead. And what do we do? We give our vow about what we're not going to do anymore because that area in our life is dead. I'm never going to get married again. I'm never going to. I'm never going to. I'm not going to have children because... My parents weren't good parents, and I don't want to do that to my children. And what do they do? Stuff that's in their life that they feel is already dead, they vow not to go back to that place. But in the presence of God, those dead places give its fruit. They become alive again. And how do you get his presence? By walking out, what he, by being obedient to his word and who he is. So now I'm obedient, I'm a giver, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm seeking him, I don't move unless he tells me to move. And now, I, you know what, Lord, I, I want to I go back to those. And you ask permission, remember? Drawn and led. So I go, Lord, there's an area in my life. When, when the Lord asked us to plant the church, I don't do it very often, but I said no, not because I didn't want to, but because we had been children's pastors for so long. I had been an associate pastor, had been in, in the helps types of ministry for so long. I wanted to do that until the end of time, 
until Jesus returned. Until I wanted to be the number two guy. I didn't want to be the guy. Once in a while I preach, I'll do it in, in a, a retreat here and there, and, and you know, I oversee all the ministries, and I vacuum the church, I, I plunge out the toilet. That's, that's what I did. I moved, just like Stephen, and thank God nobody stoned me to death, but you know, I moved in the things of the Spirit, and I moved in the things that were natural, whatever needed to happen. That's what I did, and I, and I felt comfortable. That's what happened. I got comfortable. I felt comfortable there. Yeah. And then the Lord said, he begins to lead. And he says, you're going to go plant the church. Lord, I'm in my late 40s. Why didn't you ask me this when I was in my 20s? Right? I was strong. I was excited. I was on fire for the Lord. I was like, man, in my, man, you know. And he goes, it took me this long to get you ready. That hurt. That one hurt. Yeah. It's like, it took me this long to get you ready. And I understand now why he was preparing us for this. Because we've been shot at, we've been hurt, we've had our moments of crying, we've, we've gone through moments of depression. Do I say, dare say that as a pastor of a church? We've gone through times where people have beat us down, where we've given our lives for people and they spit in our faces, where we've done everything that he asked us to do, and the result was something hurtful. And you know what he said? I'm with you. You think Moses didn't go through that? They were constantly giving him a hard time. I want to go back. We had three square meals a day. I want to build bricks for Pharaoh. Come on, let's go back there. And here he is. He had given his life. Miracles, the Red Sea divided, and, and all these things were happening. And he's like, don't you see God is with us? He's moving with us? And you guys are still complaining and murmuring? So I called my pastor, Pastor Fred. I said, look, I don't like the way this is going. He goes, you know why? Because you haven't let them put the third nail in. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you're crucified with Christ, but you got one hand free, and you're out there trying to fix everything. And you're... Let them finish the job. Let them finish what they're doing. I'm like, wait a minute. You, you mean I'm supposed to? Yeah. Though you owe them nothing, repay it all. Listen, no man can do this without the presence of God. I tell you, I can't do it. Every once in a while, I slip my hand out and I try to, you know, I try to fix something or, you know, I pull my hand out and I make a fist. But what do I do? I'm back on the cross because I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. And I've been called according to his promises to do this work. And I'm going to continue to do it until the day he says no more. That's the only way to keep the fire around. And I believe that's what, what's happening. We have the fire happening. Amen. So God's presence will resurrect the dead. Whatever area of your life is dead, it'll resurrect it. The presence of God will... It, let me read this. It is the listening to his presence in the inside that will keep you from worrying about what's happening on the outside. It's listening to his presence that's in the inside that will help you not worry about what's happening on the outside. And we know a lot is happening on the outside, right? Yeah. A lot is happening. Facebook, CNN, Fox News. A lot is happening out there, and we feed that, right? You think God's presence is in the midst of that? This is what I'm going to do. 
I am going to stop here, and I'm going to pick up here next week. So we're going to go three times, okay? I can't, there's no way, there, this, this next part is really, really good. So I don't want to even attempt to go in there now and try to preach this. So we're, we're going to just stop here, and we're going to continue right where we left off. So you, you can keep your notes. We'll have some more next week, and you can come in with that, and then we'll go to three. Uh, I'll, I'll finish this up, and then... Um, the week after that, which will be September 11th, it's a Sunday, my wife's got a word from the Lord for you. So, uh, yes. So we're looking forward to that. I love it. She's a, a teacher and, uh, and, and just loves the Lord and loves you. And you'll, you'll see that in, in the midst of her, her message. But um, uh, she'll be doing that. And then I will finish up uh, on the third part of this, which we're calling uh, the presence, uh, Jesus, the new ark. So we want to end with that because we can go through all these Exodus scriptures and find out what the presence of God does. But man, right? I want, I want to know what's, what's that going to do for me now? What have you done for me lately, right? But the next one will be the presence of God will bless your entire household. You don't want to miss that. The presence of God will remove depression. The presence of God will bring total freedom. And we're going to go to the, the last part. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to make their way up, please. God's presence lives in our worship. John 4, 19 through 24, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we ought, one ought to worship. So this is the, the, the woman from Samaria, right? The Samaritan woman at the well, and, and she's questioning him, saying, you say that, you know, the priests say that we have to worship in, in Jerusalem, and I want to worship on this mountain. I want to worship, and, she, and, and Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming. I mean, he just pretty much cut her off. If she walks away now, she's pretty much not saved. She's got nothing to tell the, the, the people of Sychar. That's it. But listen, he continues. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Basically, you could worship him anywhere you want as long as you're worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. And no longer will it be just reserved for the Jew, but it'll be for Gentile also. They had to go to Jerusalem to worship in his presence, but not anymore. How many of you know that? That his presence is here today, and I don't have an ark up here. Some churches, uh, especially the, the Jewish churches and some of the Messianic Jewish churches, they'll have a chair, a big chair, right? It's an empty chair. They have it for the Messiah when he's returning. And then they have an ark uh, uh, up in, on the stage. In Psalms 22.3, and I'm going to end with this. You can dim the lights. In just a moment, we're going to end with worship today. But you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of Israel, the praises of his people, the praises of the church. You are holy. God is holy. You know what that says to me? That we don't deserve his presence because we're not holy. He made us holy. He gave us righteousness, right? It was a gift, but it wasn't by my doing because all have sinned and fallen short. <laughs> but when I worship him as the church together, 
the Holy One shows up and makes me holy. Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would just not hear about your presence, but experience it and take it with us as we go from this place. We need your presence to lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray that New Life would be a presence-based church. That our worship would bring the Holy One, the presence of the Holy One in our midst. That our actions would cause the community to come and see this place as a place where you reside. That they would come and experience your presence and take it with them. Thank you that we don't have to gather in one place and then leave your presence in that place. We get to take your presence with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In a couple weeks when I cover Jesus, the new ark, I leave you with this and we'll worship and we'll end with that. But the presence of God had many houses. Solomon built him a temple. Ezra and Nehemiah, after 70 years of captivity, they went and started to build another temple. And they built them these things of gold and silver and, and marble and, and all these wonderful things. Money that, that, you know, things that we couldn't build today without having billions of dollars. Just these wonderful places. And then David, as we'll learn next week, David brings his presence to his house and sets up a tent a tent but what does he do he sets up worship David was a man after God's own heart 24-7 worship that's why the presence of God didn't mind being in that tent because worship was happening all the time but then the veil was torn from top to bottom and his presence chose a house chose a place chose to inhabit me come on he chose to come live inside of me and you out of all the places of splendor out of all the places that he could have gone to out of all the places that he that were built specifically by his order he chose me he chose us the presence of god is not something you experience anymore it's something you carry come on thank you lord for allowing us to be vessels of your presence thank you lord thank you lord overflowing presence overflowing presence you are worthy 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 to be praised stand to your feet and let's sing this together as we end our service this morning
Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.